Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast, show number 198, Finance Friday Edition, where we interview Serafina and Darren and talk about building a business and spending your time on endeavors that have the highest ROI. Yeah, at some point when you're DIYing things and I end up thinking, oh, I can do that. You know, watch a YouTube video, right? <laughs> of course. And then rent the machine. And yeah, but, you know, at some level, it's like, where's that? Ba- what's that balance between efficiency and like being able to say that you poured all the concrete for your... Hello, hello, hello. My name is Mindy Jensen. And with me, as always, is my intrepid co-host, Scott Trench. I love how you're always exploring new ways to describe me, Mindy. Thank you. <laughs> Scott and I are here to make financial independence less scary, less just for somebody else, to introduce you to every money story, because we truly believe that financial freedom is attainable for everyone, no matter when or where you're starting. That's right. Whether you want to retire early and travel the world, go on to make big time investments in assets like real estate, or simply sail around the world for a year or two, we'll help you get money problems out of the way so you can live the life of your dreams. I am super excited for today's episode because yet again, we have a very different set of circumstances, but I don't really consider them unique circumstances. We just haven't interviewed these people before or people in these circumstances. Serafina and Darren are self-employed. They have two kids. They're about a third of the way to their financial independence goal, and they're looking for a little bit of advice, and we give them some suggestions to follow. Uh, definitely not advice, but definitely some suggestions to look into things like an HSA, things like the Roth IRA, the over 50 catch up in just a year for Darren. And I'm super excited for all the things that their future holds, which I think is vast. Yeah, I, I think that they, they've done a remarkable job with what seems like a, a, a not a lot of income over the past couple of years that, and, and put themselves in a really good position. And so today, it wasn't about capital allocation. It wasn't about expense reduction. It wasn't about these other types of things that we kind of normally get into in the fundamental side of things. Their fundamentals are really strong. It's about income generation. And so I think that's about, it's about income generation and perhaps a new way for us in running a business as a contractor. And I think that that was a, a really fun discussion and a new look at uh, solving this problem of personal finance. Yeah. And I like how you and I approach it in a different way. I have a very different set of experiences than you do. And I love your big picture overview of what they should do. I think that everything that you said was spot on. Yeah. And I think everything you said was, was spot on. And I love, I love the, the great detail and additions and tactics that we can move to move things forward in addition to your excellent big picture skills as well, Mindy. Oh, thanks, Scott. Okay, before we bring them in, let's make sure that our attorney is satisfied when I say the contents of this podcast are informational in nature and are not legal or tax advice, and neither Scott nor I nor Bigger Pockets is engaged in the provision of legal, tax, or any other advice. You should seek your own advice from professional advisors, including lawyers and accountants, regarding the legal, tax, and financial implications of any financial decision you contemplate. Okay, let's bring in Serafina and Darren and give them a couple of financial decisions to contemplate. When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, 
we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval, and terms of each credit card issuer apply. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Deciding how to invest your capital can be extremely challenging, especially when the market is constantly changing. That's why it's never been more important to partner with a company that has a great track record. The BAM Capital executive team has successfully navigated through the Great Recession, COVID-19, and the current interest rate environment while delivering maximized returns to their partners. BAM Capital is a trusted multifamily syndicator with over $1.3 billion in transactions, delivering a historical average of over 35% IRR with an average hold period of three and a half years. BAM Capital has consistently paid preferred return distributions for over 50 consecutive months, has not lost limited partners capital, and has not called capital past the subscription amount. BAM Capital's disciplined investment strategy is targeting undermanaged institutional quality trophy assets throughout the U.S. heartland for accredited investors who are looking for generational wealth building or monthly income opportunities. Their offerings target cash flow stability, capital preservation, long-term appreciation, and accelerated tax benefits. Join BAM Capital's over 1,200 investors across 44 states and get started today at BAMCapital.com. Again, that's BAMCapital.com. Serafina and Darren are debt-free. Hooray! They've got two young kids and are about one-third of the way to their financial independence goal of $750,000. They're self-employed and have dreams of sailing around the world with their children post-financial independence, but they're not quite sure where to invest and how to prioritize spending. Serafina and Darren, welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast. I'm super excited to talk to you today. Thanks. We're excited to talk to you too. Thank you so much. So, Serafina, let's start with your income. Okay. Um, we are currently self-employed, and right now I have us having an owner paid combined of $3,500 a month. Awesome. And what do you do? We have a like a carpentry, custom woodworking, um, boat building business. So Darren's the boat builder and the woodworker, and I do the bookkeeping and the paperwork and the invoicing, things like that. Awesome. And is that income fluctuate or is it reasonably steady there? It definitely fluctuates, but I've been trying to, uh, I recently got the book Profit First that suggested that you set it up so that you have a steady income as best you can. So I think we can maintain that. So that's that's kind of how we came up with that. For the moment. This is also our first year oh, yeah. in this paradigm. Uh, we both worked at a nonprofit woodworking school for, I don't know, like 17 years. So, mm -hmm. Yes, we just started this last June. Yeah. And has this changed your income uh, significantly, lowered it or increased it? I think it's a little bit lower just because I'm not, I don't also have a job. I worked part-time for the nonprofit. So 
I mean, we're both working, but it feels like we have one income. Mm -hmm. Okay. And do you feel, given your first year, are you seeing a slope of growth in your company uh, in in revenue and those types of things? Or do you kind of feel like this is going to be pretty steady at its current level of 3,500? I think it could be steady. Um, I think it just depends maybe on how much, how many jobs we get. So if we were able to have time to take on more jobs, then we could probably increase that. I think we get stuck or make, stuck with having feeling like we have to put time on building the house and put time on making money on the jobs. Yeah. Okay, great. So you're also undertaking a large additional profit or, or, or a bit of work that's going to add value with the house construction. Mm-hmm. Love it. Let's go to expenses. How much are you spending and, and what? how much of that 3500 are you able to keep each month? Our, we have a pretty great rent situation right now. Our rent's really low at just $200, so that's pretty nominal. We do pay property taxes on our property where we're building our house. That's about $1,000 a year. Our electricity where we're living ranges from maybe 80 to $100. Heating's $200 on average. Groceries, we spend about $800 a month. Gas, maybe $50 to $100, depending. We have car insurance, which is about $550 a year. We do like library dues and the kids' violin lessons and things like that. Average, maybe about $160 a month. Uh, what we call our family fun, which is like sometimes we go out to eat or we do movie rentals. We used to do more adventures out in the world, but we yeah. <laughs> not right now. So uh, that's about maybe $100 a month that we put aside for that. We each have our own personal like fun money category, which is about $100 or $200 a month. And right now I've got us set it maybe about $300 a month to put towards retirement. And there's also liability insurance that we pick That's that. on the business oh, okay. side, okay. I think, yeah. You know, there's a, there's a lot in there. You're putting $300 towards retirement. How much are you able to save on after all that spending every month? Is, there, is, that, is that accounting for every dollar, or is there any leftover that goes into savings? Yeah, I have, like, various savings buckets. Like, we put aside money for gifts and car maintenance, medical and dental, kind of things that come up, like an annual visiting family uh, for Christmas trip with four people. Kids, like what they need for school, like that's maybe $50 a month I set aside for that. And then house building, we usually put in extra money towards the house building. But I will say like at the end of the month, usually like it depends seasonally where the money goes. Like usually around January, we start to think, oh, we got to start saving up for the house. So all the extra money goes towards the house or, yeah. Then at the end of the summer, we think, oh, we better save for retirement now. So <laughs> we haven't been doing that for a while. So it kind of fluctuates or plane tickets are really expensive. We didn't quite make that. So we kind of skim off the top of the other categories that are doing well. Well, Makes sense to me in, in terms of how you're thinking about it. How are you able to get the rent so low? The house is owned by our mother-in-law. And uh, when we were transitioning out of where we were living and working before, we were looking at different options. One was, um, because we don't make a ton of money, we weren't quite sure what we were going to do, was to buy like a trailer and put it on our property so we could be closer to our house to work. But they ended up... Uh, letting us rent the house here for basically expenses. Um, but yeah, for nominal rent. So we're Perfect. Here so so you're able to live there while you build the, while you build your, your, your future home. 
And yeah. what do you expect that, that future home to be completed by? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> we've been working on it for a while. We've been, we've been building it ourselves. Like Darren and I have been actually building it. And in the midst of that time period, we had kids. So that kind of knocked me out of the game a little bit because I'm taking care of the kids. So it's been going a while. I think we're, we would like to get the house done sooner than later, but it might still take us another year. But it's also we run into the position where we're coming up against things that we need to a little bit more money for, like putting in power or... I don't know, bigger, bigger expenses, like putting in the drainage system. Whereas before we were getting wood off our property um, and the, the material expenses were pretty low. But yeah, we're just running up against, I guess, both time and money constraints. And then will you have a mortgage on this house once you're finished with it? No, right now we don't have any debt. Yeah, we're um, just paying as we go. Yeah, we paid. Okay. We did have a loan for the property, but we've paid that off. And then the materials for the house, we've been paying as we go. Okay. Part of the reason it takes a while, too. Yeah. <laughs> Scott's never built a house from scratch. Um, I've never built a house from scratch personally, but I went to school with a girl named Kara, whose parents were your, you. Uh, they, they did live in a trailer on the property and... I knew her for probably seven years and they were building the whole time because, you know, you start and then you've got to do other things. And it's a big undertaking just by yourself. Yep. I'm, I mean, I'm saying, yep, like I know. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, but there you go. <laughs> it's super easy, Scott, yeah. just like kids. Just like kids. <laughs> it just happens. That's right. <laughs> so I like that you have a, uh, what did you call this in another episode, Scott? A personal CapEx fund for your personal expenses. Hey, I've got some expenses and I'm not sure how much they're going to be. So I'm just going to throw money into these buckets, like the gifts and the car maintenance. I love that because unless you can do the work yourself, and even if you can, parts still cost something. Mine always break the expensive parts too, but they're also super old. But medical and dental, there's always something weird that comes up. I just broke a tooth last week eating a salad, which is so stupid. And it's going to be like $1,700 is my portion with good insurance. So yeah, you don't plan on breaking a tooth. It just happens. And on and on and on. So I love that you've got the, uh, the what are we going to call that, Scott? The... Uh, Personal capex. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I, well, it sounds like it sounds like yeah, yeah. I think yeah. Personal capex. I don't really. We need we need a term for that. Maybe that's something we can crowdsource uh, <laughs> to, to, to the Facebook group or something <laughs> um, with that. Whatever whatever we call that. But I love that you're doing that, and I think that makes a lot of sense. And it's something that that I think is really important, given the way. I mean, you've got those types of expenses, and you're trying to build a house with everything left over, and save for retirement at the same time. And you know, obviously, it's not a ton of income for the family on that. So. This is going to be an interesting discussion here. The good news is you have lots of different levers you can pull. You own a business, you work on. I'm sure there's flexibility and freedom that comes along with that to some extent. You're, you're creating a massive asset, I, I presume, in, in, in the form of the house once, it's, once it is complete. So there's a couple of really cool levers that we're already starting to see, but there are definitely some challenges here. And cash would solve a bunch of those, as I'm sure you're aware, it, it seems, especially in the house component. So let's get into the let's get into the assets and liabilities as well and say you know what what do we have uh, in terms of retirement accounts what do we have in terms of cash on hand debts those types of things. Okay. So for me personally I have a Roth IRA with 18,000 in it and a traditional IRA with 9,000. 
and Darren has a Roth IRA with 19,000 and a traditional IRA with 9,000. Oh, and then um, from our previous job, we each got a pension annuity, and that for me is 59,000, and for Darren is 74,000. And then together we have a joint investment account, and that has um, 136,000 in it. Okay, great. So you've got, and, and that joint investment account, that is after tax in a brokerage fund? Yes. So you could you could sell that without having to pay penalty. Um, you have to pay gains on anything, any gain, yes. tax on any gains, yeah. but okay. Yeah. Great. How much cash on hand do you have? I mean, we have about 10000 set aside for the um, house building, and then... For the summer. Yeah, for the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess, yeah, that's about it besides just our operating kind of expenses and that's it that it's just assets and cash and there's no debt there's nothing else complicating the the balance sheet here yeah no debt nope i said they were debt free at the beginning (laughs) well i know i know i'm just admiring i'm admiring the cleanliness you know and and those types of things so yeah (laughs) okay so let's talk a little bit about the pension slash annuity from the former employer that's a lump sum that's not a $59,000 a year, $74,000 a year. Oh, yeah, no, right. Total. That's how much is in the account yeah. that, the, that the employer put in the account. And how can you access that? Do you have to wait until you're 55 or 65? Yeah, you 59, 59. 59, okay. And then that's just a monthly... I'm not sure how pensions work. I don't get one. I have to say, hey, I'm not totally sure how they, <laughs> they work either. <laughs> Market research. So my first bit of homework for you or suggestion for you is to look more into how you can access that, how you can best utilize that information or that money, because neither Scott nor I have pensions. I do think Bigger Pocket should start one so that we could do research for the podcast. <laughs> oh, great. Um, Perfect. <laughs> but I would reach out to the plan or ask for the documentation and read through it and see at what age can you start accessing it. If it's 59, can is it like Social Security where you wait a little bit longer, you get more? Mm-hmm. Or if not, then maybe you start taking it as soon as you can. Right. I'm not sure really what to say about the pension. And is it a pension or an annuity? Does that matter, Scott? Do you know anything about pensions? Um, I, I, I am, I'm really weak in this area actually, because again, we, we don't, we don't have them. We've, we've now had a few folks with pensions on there, but either it's been, Hey, we're receiving the pension and income that's meaningful right now, or we're not. And and that's, that's typically how we've simplistically viewed it. So I, I, without having more information, I don't know how to give you advice on the pension thing, but it seems like that's a good thing to figure out. Like how much income is that going to produce for you and when, or when are you going to be able to access the lump sum amount? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess one question we had around it also is like, should we combine that with something? Like, should we move it over to something else? Because mm-hmm. possibly partly because we don't know what to do with it. It seems kind yeah. of an outlier. Yeah, we can't contribute to it. So, my belief is that when you don't understand it very well or have some of these questions, that there's an opportunity to make a make an improvement there. Um, but in the absence of knowing what what what's in there? I think for our purposes today, we'll just kind of ignore it as a uh, as a potential asset until further information comes to light. Yeah, and I am going to say right now, um, I will post a question in the Facebook group. Do you know about 
pensions, do you have any advice about these pensions or pension slash annuity? Are you in our Facebook group? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Oh, good. Then we'll give you this homework to do any more research that you can on this and maybe share more information. I'm sure somebody who is listening has some information and suggestions about the the pension. So I'll make a note to post that in the Facebook group, which can be found at facebook.com slash groups slash BP money. Okay. So just, we we stated this uh, earlier, but could you kind of reiterate what is your goal here? You, you've got about a two quarter million dollar net worth here. You've got a, a business that you started. You're building a house. What's what's the end state that we're looking to achieve and and timeline that you guys have? I mean, we definitely would like to retire <laughs> and have money for that. That seems pretty big. Um, we'd like to finish the house mm. because we've been working on that for so long. We're ready to, for that to be done and kind of start living in it so we can use all that work that we put in there. Um, we would like to go uh, sailing. This is more of a long-term goal. Take the kids sailing around the world in our sailboat for a year or two, maybe, while they're still kind of little. And then in the meantime, like on a shorter-term thing, I feel like we've been, we haven't been doing many trips for just our family, like even smaller trips like we do like once a year we go to the obligatory family gatherings but it'd be nice to have some adventures in the meantime even if they're little ones Mm -hmm. you know take advantage of the kids while they're young let me ask a couple questions to follow up on Mm -hmm. this starting with the short-term goal are you guys feeling like it's it's pretty stressful right now like it's a a lot of work all the time and it's not a lot of time to get on out on these adventures is that is that right yeah, I feel like what, the way that we're either saving or spending our time is pretty haphazard. Like, I'm not sure how to prioritize mm-hmm. everything and make it all happen. It always feels like, well, we should be doing this. Well, we have got to do this, but we should probably be putting it over here. Um, yeah, and I, I just even this past couple of weeks, I dedicated myself to working on the house um, for, I don't know, a month, month and a half. Until, basically until the money runs out, but then a job comes, you know, like somebody says, oh, could you do this for me? And I was like, oh, this, this seems like a pretty straightforward job. I could do this. And so I pull myself away from the house. And so now I'm not working on the house. I'm <laughs> working on this project. But Okay. And, and when you say the, the money is running out, I hear, I hear you have a $10,000 emergency reserve. Is that, does that dwindle and, and rise or is that kind of your floor? And when you feel like you get to 10,000, that's when you feel like you're running out of money. No, that's like how much we've saved or been able to put in there over the year. Just for the house. Just for the house. Yeah. What's your What's your personal save emergency reserve? That's varied over the past. Um, I used to have probably like three to four months budgeted out ahead of time, um, and then when we trans when we moved over here and left our jobs, it, it all kind of reset. So right now, I think I've got like a month ahead, basically in our personal account, but on our business side, because you just finished this big job, I think we have like coming from the business to us, we have probably about seven months of salary and the business can kind of can do that for about seven months right, right now. So you have, you have a seven months of, of business operating cash in the business. And then you've got but you've got you got less than one month for your personal. You so you have you have cash in several locations. I'm hearing you have cash in the business. You have a ten thousand dollars set aside for 
a biz- another business, what you're calling the house project. That's in your mind just for the house. Right. And then you, you have very little for your personal life set, set aside. Is that what I'm hearing? That sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I think I think that's a good place to start, right? I mean, if we go back to you know uh, Dave Ramsey, who I think has a lot a, a really good strategy for the first couple of, of things here. You guys have a good net worth. You, you're doing a lot of things really well. You have a retirement accounts and, and brokerage funds. But I would I would start and stockpile six six months at least in the emergency reserve for you, but the, for the simple reason that you guys are one income and it's self employment income. You know, you could get away with, I think, a lower, a less emergency reserve. I think that's that's what's contributing to stress. That's a factor that I think could be could be contributing to stress for you right now is the fact that you don't have that because of your self employment income, the nature of you having a a, a business and those types of things um, with that. And that that could be you just shift cash out of the house or out of the business to create that, or you go out, you go and, and and make that a primary savings goal for the short run. That's not going to. That's not the big piece of the strategy to move you towards the retirement goal. But that's that's one lever that will have a very modest impact on your on their timeline for that. But I think that could make a big difference in your life right now. Mindy, what do you think? Yeah, I think an emergency fund. A oh my goodness, what am I going to do? Will be removed when you have the emergency fund, and it's just sitting there and it's doing nothing. And you know, if you've got a great big job that you know you're going to finish next month you can dip into the emergency fund to put to the house because there's something you need to purchase. What And then when the big job is done, you replenish the emergency fund. But having a cushion there could be something that you're unconsciously really concerned about. So I like that suggestion a lot. You had mentioned custom woodworking and carpentry along with boat building. The building market right now is going crazy. So is there any opportunity to pick up an extra side job that can help you fund your building fund while you are waiting for the time to build? Can you take Fridays off to work on the house and everything that I can accomplish on one Friday will be able to be done? Or is it more financially advantageous to take advantage of this uh, crazy market we have right now with building going on everywhere and just kind of stockpile jobs? And, you know, could you barter? You said that you needed to get power. Can you barter woodworking services with an electrician? Or, you know, everybody's looking for people to, to do work for them and nobody has any skilled labor. Um, so I'm trying to think, and I'm hoping that this is sparking ideas for you instead of just going off of my very stumbling words, but I think that there's a lot of opportunity for a little bit of thinking outside the box with regards to your skills and getting somebody to come in and help you with skills that you don't have. How much is your house going to be worth once you, once you finish construction? (laughs) Oh my, (laughs) I saw that face. Um, I I mean it's a non traditional house. Yeah. We're building a straw bale house. Yeah. It's a timber frame. Uh, it's lovely. Yeah. But it's definitely not usual. Yeah. Um, I think the property tax assessment is at maybe at ninety eight right now. And it's ha- halfway done. I mean it's not done yet. It mostly looks like a barn right now. Yeah. So I don't really know. 
Okay, that, that's, I think, another piece of homework is you need to know what, what we'll call in real estate investing the after-repair value of your, your property. And so that's what your property will sell for, even if it is unusual. Um, you, need, you need some sort of guess as to what the finished product, once it's complete to your vision and specifications, will look like, and, and a timeline on that. And that will give you some inclination. And let me just pose this. You know, your, your annual income is somewhere in the ballpark of 40000 right now. Um, and if the house is worth a hundred thousand and it's going to take you several years to complete it, it says to, it says to me that your job, the, the woodworking business may be the more valuable uh, asset to focus on, um, in terms of, in, in terms of, of those types of things. Um, and money generated from that can be used to help fund construction rather than the other way around. If you said, once the house is complete, it'll be worth 500,000, I'd have a completely different, um, uh, uh, thought process on that, but that's that's kind of where my mind jumps to, and 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 we we have not. I don't think we've actually asked this on on the show so far. Where are you guys located? We're in Maine. Rural Maine. rural Maine, yeah. Rural Maine, okay, uh, okay, yeah. Then it is probably going to be closer to one fifty or maybe two hundred at the high side, depending on how big it is. But rural Maine doesn't have really really high prices. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean. The- with the pandemic, it's, it's everybody's building up. everywhere here. Yeah, it's interesting. It's crazy. Yeah. Yep. Well, well, again, that that will that will tell you something is to is if you can get if you can get some sort of reasonable guess, and you might even just ask an agent, uh, a local agent, or you know, if if you're if you're not sure where to start, and they might be able to give you some inclination of it. But I think if you can have a band, even if it's thirty thousand dollars wide, one hundred and twenty to one hundred and fifty or whatever it is, um, that will give you some inclination about whether this is a good strategic area for you to be spending countless hours on or whether that time is better invested in your business. And from, you know, from, from what you just said, my assumption is that the business is going to be the biggest leverage point in your finances right now that I see. Do you, do you guys agree with that generally? Does that feel right? Do you, so you're saying if the house isn't going to be worth mega million dollars, um, are, we're going to, working for the business will generate more money. So we should use that money to pay somebody else to build it or right now, financially speaking, you're in a great position with your housing. Mm -hmm. Completing the home is actually going to, it's going to actually cost you more. I think after you move out than than what you're currently paying to live uh, right now with your housing. Right? So once you complete the project, your finances are going to get worse, not better, because your property tax assessment is probably going to spike the the property taxes on the property. There's going to be you know the the the, the bills and utilities to pay, just that like there is, and more maintenance that you're not going to share. So that there may be good reasons to complete the project and do that because that's the lifestyle that you want. That's great, but that's that to me. If if it's less, and, and I don't I don't want to like. Uh, there's a lot of nuance here, so I could be completely wrong on some of this. But if we're directionally getting there, then it just says that, hey, time spent on the business is going to be higher ROI for you guys than time spent on the house. doesn't mean don't work on the house. It just means that, you know, all else equal, you're going to be moving towards your financial goal much faster by working on the business, if that's correct. Okay. Another thing I would just look at, if you are going to start working in the business more, look for jobs you can do, quick jobs you can do. I mean, right now you can kind of just write your own quote. Oh, that'll be $25,000 because nobody else will even answer their phone. And I don't, you know, I'm not trying to 
diss the building industry. If I had work so much that I couldn't even keep up with it, I probably wouldn't answer my phone either. But it is, you know, making connections in the carpentry world could be really, really beneficial for the house project. So I like the idea of looking into leveraging that. How long can you rent your current house from your mother-in-law? Is she putting any sort of pressure on you to leave? Not yet. Not currently, yeah. But I mean, okay. I would I would be surprised that she would... I mean, she, I think she purchased this as a, an investment and she'd probably want some return on it. Eventually. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Right. When we leave, it will be a regular rental property. Yes. Yeah. And, 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 and if, so if that pressure begins to mount or if there's a, if that becomes, impacts your timeline, that changes the dynamic I, I discussed earlier with right. that. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Listen up, business owners. Here's some quick math. Fewer costs equals more profit. The problem? You're spending more than ever on operations, materials, deliveries, software, and more. So why not reduce your costs and headaches with NetSuite by Oracle? NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite lives in the cloud, which means you can reduce IT costs with no hardware required. Cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because now you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. It makes sense that over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Don't let rising costs sink your business's growth. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash bpmoney. That's netsuite.com slash bpmoney. netsuite.com slash bpmoney. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. 
steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. What if I told you that I, Mindy Jensen, the queen of budgeting, the personal finance fanatic, sometimes forgot to cancel my subscriptions? I know, it's horrible. $10 here, $15 there. My useless subscription bills could have taken my whole family out to dinner multiple times. Rocket Money can make all that subscription sadness suddenly vanish. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. You can see all your subscriptions in one place and cancel money-sucking subscriptions with a tap. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. That's rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. Rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. Let's go, let's go into the business for a second here. How does your business work? How do you get orders? How do you, how do you, how do you decide your, on your pricing? What's the, the, like, what's it, what's an order like and how much profit do you make on that order? How many hours do you invest? How much materials cost do you have for that? Yeah, unfortunately I don't have anything regular and, um, it's like I said, we've, it's only really been since last June, no, maybe August that I got a really big, uh, custom order from a, a nature museum. And so I built these, you know, giant eggs and some other things and, uh, you know, we've just kind of played that out. Um, and then, it, but to answer your question, it's been word of mouth for the most part. Um, yeah. it's been how I've gotten the jobs. And when, when that slowed up, I've, I've worked with, um, you know, friends of mine who, uh, do house repair, um, just to kind of keep my hand in and learn some new skills or, um, you know, as Mindy was talking about, make connections. So. How would you rate your skill set as a carpenter? Well, I mean, I would think you you're, I would be a master or. Yeah. I mean, I, I would be called a finished carpenter, you know, in the house building trade. And then, yeah. you know, I build wooden boats. So it's, um, you know, I feel comfortable charging, you know, like $70 an hour typically, you know, for much of what I do. If I'm working on somebody's house, I don't, depending on the job, I don't typically charge that. Maybe I charge like 50 bucks an hour. You know, that's kind of the average, I think, in this area. Um, we don't have a lot of overhead, right. which is a that's nice. And yeah. Darren has all his own tools really already. So. Uh-huh. Um. so so right there, that's perfect, right? So we have $50 an hour to $70, $75 an hour. That is that is $100,000 to $150,000 a year in, in annualized income. And so to me, that says that that's where it smells like opportunity for me in this is if you can operationalize and, and look, you're going to have to invest in some systems and figure out like how to get the right uh, you know, how do I get these jobs scheduled so that I'm not driving all over creation all day? I don't know your business. Maybe, maybe that's not even a problem for you, but I have one job I go to, I work a 10 hour a day and 
on that project and I'm bringing home $500, $700 that day for that work in labor. And my billing structure reflects that so that the, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. If you can get that set up, that's, that'll make everything else that much easier for you on the, the, the housing construction, you know, on the home construction side, then you can figure out, say math, Hey, this is costing me $50 an hour because I could be billing that out this weekend when I'm actually working that on, on the house. And so it'll take it like, that's not an overnight project. That'll take you at least six months to a year, maybe longer to get to a point where you're consistent with that kind of stuff. But if you could approach that, I bet, I bet you could double your, your annual revenue, um, reasonably quickly, even while making lots of mistakes and not having all those systems in, in place in the, in the next couple of months. I'll leave that there. What's your reaction to that? I mean, that's, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, that sounds like the smarter way to go, honestly. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I would probably have to do some work, you know, getting my name out there, advertising, et cetera, et cetera, which, which is, I haven't done, which, you know, it's not something I <laughs> am like keen, you know, I'm not like a self promoter, so I struggle with that, but you know, <laughs> okay. We got, we got a podcast a here. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> what, what's what's the name of your business? Uh, Carlucci Woodworking, which is the our last name, basically. But but a buddy of mine just suggested uh, Carlucci. No, what do you say? Carlucci Custom Carlucci Maybe? Custom Creations or something like that. So <laughs> Car- Carlucci Custom Creations or Carlucci. So first you got to settle on a name. It doesn't matter what the name is. You know, that's well, right. Well, that, that does, but you know, don't spend don't spend six weeks on the name. That's that's a right. trap a lot of people fall into. So of course here we are sitting. You know, jo- I don't know how long Josh spent on bigger pockets. Right. I have some thoughts on this. So Carlucci Woodworking, Carlucci Custom Creations, Carlucci whatever. Does Carlucci have a website? Does Carlucci have an Instagram account? Does Carlucci have an Etsy shop? You're shaking your head. So I'm going no. to say there is, I'm sure, because I have a cousin, you have a lot of extra little bits of wood, right? Oh, yeah. They're just like everywhere. Yeah. Okay. They are. What can you do with those? I burn them usually. <laughs> you what? We, we, you know, we heat with Did woods. Did you say you burn them? <laughs> <laughs> that's we like burning with... dollars at this point. Gold is. Oh, no. well, that's not heating oil. Okay. You know, it's not heating oil. So. It's... Yeah. Okay. Here is an assignment. Go to Etsy.com, E-T-S-Y.com, and search woodworking or wood and see what's there. See what you can easily replicate with your little bits of leftover stuff. Um, My cousin used to work for a door company that made very, very high-end front doors, like 20, I I think they're Mm high-end, $20,000 for the front door. That's not what I'm buying. (laughs) Uh, And up. And he was able to take home any bits of wood that he wanted. And he turned them into gorgeous cutting boards and butcher blocks. And I have a huge butcher block. It's like, two feet by three feet. It's enormous. And it's this thick and it's mahogany and cherry. I mean, it's a, I don't know, $50,000 cutting board, let's say. (laughs) Nobody's going to give you that. So don't make a $50,000 cutting board. But you could all, he made beautiful trivets that are just routed in the middle and they're gorgeous. And I would pay $20 for that, but he gave it to me for free because he's my cousin. And there's a lot of things that are very easy to do for you, not for me, but we're not talking about me. They're very easy for you to do. It's all the scraps that you were just going to 
burn anyway. So look and see what you can do with what you've got left over. That's a really easy way to generate some income. And there's a lot of competition on Etsy. I'm not going to say you're going to list it and then just have a billion orders. But, you know, um, Instagram is a great way. Take pictures of everything you do. Promote it on Instagram. Hey, here's the latest set of bowls I made or wooden spoons or whatever it is you're going to make. Oh, Rolling pins. I couldn't mm-hmm. think of the word. <laughs> I want a little rolling pin. It's like this big. And I tr- I placed an order with somebody and they never made it. Oh. Do you have a turning? Like, do you have a lathe? I don't have a lathe right now. I'd like a lathe. Okay. <laughs> so maybe when you get one, you will send me a rolling pin yeah. because now your rolling pin business is cranking out 10000 a week and It'll you're be selling rolling so in the dough. There's rolling. Oh, my goodness. I'll be smashing it. Oh, I love it. that they groaned. I love that they groaned. <laughs> Me too. Uh. But there's all sorts of things that you can do that it might not come to your mind. Oh, well, that's too easy. I don't care if it's too easy. I want it to be too easy. I am assuming that you throw a block of wood on the lathe. You take your little uh, chisel or whatever, and you just kind of smooth it out. And wow, now you've got a rolling pin. That's basically Crank those it. out yep. with whatever <laughs> sure. you've got. I mean, I'm looking for like a six-inch rolling pin. I've got a great big one. I don't need a great big one to make dumplings. I need a little one to make dumplings. So here's a dumpling rolling pin. I mean, look for, oh, there you go. Now that's your first project. Oh, thank you. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I like that approach that Mindy has, as, but I, I, I also think that just getting paid by the hour with this at 50 to $70 an hour, that is a proven business model. That's not even, you don't even have to get creative and see if people buy your rolling pins with that as well. You should do both, I think. But, but, you know, I think that that's, you know, the little scraps of wood there while you're waiting for that, that's, if you can operationalize this business, I I think you've easily got a hundred thousand dollar a year income. I think you've got a executable hundred thousand dollar a year income. It won't be easy, but it will be something that is, is repeatable and lots of other people are out there. There's and like some ways to get started on this. Look up some business systems. Decide on a name. I, I, incorporate if you need to. Um, make sure all your licensing isn't isn't you know all, all the the eyes the dotted all the eyes are dotted t's are crossed all of that kind of stuff is is set up insurance those types of things. Put the put your company on Google Maps. Put it on Yelp. Put it on. Um, uh, wherever folks are going there, maybe look at like going on like home advisor or Angie's list or those types of places and just fill in all of the boxes, set up a phone number that actually goes to a device that one of you guys is monitoring, um, on a constant basis and get those basics right so that you can get lucky with inbound business and begin building that back catalog of work with that kind of stuff. So it's not just through word of mouth, get some testimonials on the page, put up a website for, you know, just like take a weekend and knock out a bunch of this stuff. And perfect is the enemy of good when you're getting set up with this kind of stuff. But that would be that would be how I would start doing that. And like, if you can get to a place where you you've got jobs every day of the week, I mean, that's gonna that's gonna explode your income here and make a huge difference in a lot of these types of things. And it's not that much more work. It'll take you a good. It'll take you a grind for the next quarter to get set that set up. But you'll probably be working 40, 50 hour weeks with this and and rolling in the dough. Can I use that twice? No. Uh. Right. Another another thing to tag onto what Scott is saying is if you can get fifty or seventy five dollars an hour as a finished carpenter, 
maybe, you know, if you've got a great big project for your company, of course, do that. But reach out to uh, general contractors. Hey, I'm a finished carpenter. I have 17 years of woodworking experience. I'm a master boat builder, all of the things. I'm looking for work if you ever, you know, have a project that your current finished carpenter can't handle. Because what I'm hearing over and over again in the building industry is that general contractors can't find subs, subs can't find helpers, like nobody can find anybody. So throw yourself out there. I'm available. Call me. I want to do the work. Yeah. And it sounds like you guys would really benefit from having a friend who's a general contractor uh, with a housing project as well. Right. Because if if you, if, you know, if you can do some work for that person, even if it's paid work and also barter on the same, at the same time to be like, how to, how the heck do we finish this thing in less than a year? You know, maybe, maybe it's as simple as Great. I, I, general contractors working on several of these projects, they need you to do a job for one day. And in exchange, they will get one of their subs to come in and work on your project for that. There, there's, there's, I think that that will, that, that's, that way you're not, I imagine, I don't know, but I imagine, cause I never built a house that when you're building a house, you've got to figure out how to use the little thing that pours the foundation. You've got to run, run the electricity. These are not your skill set. Your skill set is the woodworking, and you, I'm sure you can figure it all out. But you're you're doing five. You're, you have a uh, at most five dollar an hour skill. I'm making this up in uh-huh. electrical wiring. Yeah, yeah. But you've got a fifty dollar an hour <laughs> skill in the the carpentry stuff, right? right. So somebody yeah. else has a fifty dollar to seventy dollar an hour electricity skill. So that's where it's it's uh, inefi- it can be inefficient, inefficient if, you're, yeah. if you're using those types of things. Hmm. Yes. Interesting way to look at it. Yeah, it's very true. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, at some point when you're DIYing things, and I end up thinking, "Oh, I can do that," you know. So, you know, watch a YouTube video, right? <laughs> of course, and then rent the machine, and yeah. But you know, at some level, it's like, where's that? Ba- what's that balance between efficiency and like being able to say that you poured all the concrete for your foundation? Uh, so. Yeah. If you're not Yay. if you're not generating income, then of course it's better to earn to to to, to figure out that skill and those types of things. But if you're generating a hundred thousand dollars a year, if you can, if you believe that, if that back of the napkin math sounds anywhere in the ballpark of approachable to you guys, then that makes no sense at that point um, downstream. It makes perfect sense for what you're doing right now. It just it may not if you can can change the business model and begin generating um, more meaningful income from the business. Not that you're not generating meaningful income, but Moving into that hundred thousand dollar a year mark right. to a greater range, right. right? Okay. Some other questions I have about your numbers. I didn't hear anything about health insurance, and that is the number one question that we get: is how do I pay for health insurance once I no longer have a job? So, what are you doing for health insurance right now? Right now, we're on a state health insurance. Okay. Yeah. Is that a regular plan or is it a high deductible plan? It's just like the the main care plan. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do they have a high deductible option? Because with a high deductible health care plan, you get access to contributing to an HSA, hmm. which oh, is, okay. um, according to the mad scientist, it is, what is it? The best retirement plan ever or something? The secret retirement plan? I should have looked that up before I announced it. But he has an article, and I will send you the article, and I will include it in the show notes on this episode, which can be found at biggerpockets.com slash moneyshow198. Um, He has an article about the HSA plan. In a nutshell, and there's more to it, but in a nutshell, you contribute up to $7,000 or $7,200 this year for a family 
um, into a pre-tax account, and then you can use that account to pay for medical bills, or you can cash flow your medical bills and keep that account. Once you, I think once you have over one or $2,000 in the account, you can start investing it almost however you choose. I invest mine through Fidelity and I can literally choose anything that Fidelity offers. Um, and then I do cash flow my expenses. So now I have something like $25,000 in my HSA that I'm just going to keep on letting grow because we are generally healthy. We don't see the doctor frequently. And that's one of the drawbacks of an HSA is that you're coming out of pocket for a lot of things. So if you are generally healthy, an, a high deductible plan is better. If you visit the doctor frequently, you should probably look into which option is going to be better for you. Um, so so that's something to think about. And generally, you can't change until the next time your interest is up for renewal, which is typically at the end of the year, but not always. So something to think about, and I'll send you that article, read through it and see if you um, identify with that. But yeah, you can just put extra money in there. And then what I'm doing ever since I have the HSA is saving all of my receipts. I take a picture of them. I upload them to the cloud so I don't lose the receipt because I will. And then when I separate from service, I will be able to take as much of those receipts as I want and get reimbursed. It's tax-free. It's penalty-free because it's, it's uh, well, I don't know why it's penalty-free. There's no penalties. It's tax-free. So if I have $25,000 worth of income or worth of receipts, I can pull $25,000 out of that account. I would rather let it grow right now because I have little ones and twos doctor's visits. I don't have anything really big, like I said. Um, so that's something to look into. And you probably have probably six months to do some research before you have to make a decision. Okay. Um, but that's something that I really, really like as well. And that comes right back to the business, right? You're, you're, your business is going to have to generate more income to, to cover that cost as, as things, as things move on. And, and I think that's where, yeah. Another thing, and I don't, you know, as you, as you kind of look at this business, you've got a theoretical large amount of income to come in. I, I keep coming back to this because I think that this is the leverage point to me. I don't think it's I don't think it's finishing your house based on what I heard is is going to fundamentally change your financial situation. I think that moving your business to a better place is gonna is gonna be the lever. Um, you guys seem like you're doing a really good job managing household uh, expenses. Um, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of leaky buckets a, a leaky bucket there at all um, with that. And you sound like you have a good investment approach and a number of assets there, which I think is really impressive. Um, um, that for you guys to have built. So anyways, I keep coming back to that. Um, in addition to the things I said earlier, I have a book recommendation for you called the E-Myth, which I think would be, it's a, it's a pretty simple, short read. Um, it was written in like 1988. I think there's a new updated version um, that you can come back, but I think that would be a good start to think about your, your business with this as well. For the first year of a brand new company, making $50,000 is huge. And you're in, I don't, I'm not trying to talk smack about Maine. It's a beautiful state, but you're in the middle of nowhere and you made $50,000 that year, last year. I really do like what Scott said about um, the business is only going to continue up. Custom woodworking, that's start advertising on Craigslist and Facebook. And like, there are some very inexpensive levers you can pull to generate more income. And, um, but uh, 
I know that I could keep you busy for 80 hours a week. <laughs> move here. So, okay. you, yeah, I, that, that's another thing. Is that is the house keeping you there? Is like, or do you, do you want to be? Do you want to be in Maine, or is there another? Or is that like? I don't know. How's that's that? That's also never been to Maine. It's yeah, gorgeous. It's I mean, gorgeous. it's pretty nice. We're we're kind. Of, I mean, we're not on the water, but we are coastal, so that's yeah. pretty nice. And sailors at heart. Um, and I think it's all we've always thought about it as like a place. Like if we went traveling, that we would always have this property to fall back on. This is paid off, and like would, you know, just a, a place that we could end up in mm-hmm. if anything went wrong. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do like what Scott is suggesting about concentrating on growing the business. I, uh, shockingly, I like what I'm suggesting with growing side income. Um, I mean, that's like basically free supplies for your woodworking, for your Etsy woodworking shop. And there's some really interesting and cool things that I would never think of, but, you know, maybe something will spark something else that you come up with that's very unique and sells really well. Mm-hmm. Send it to Martha Stewart Living because she always <laughs> shows uh, Etsy stuff on the back page. Here's I completely agree with Mindy, and here's where here's the nuance that I'm trying to point out is it's completely aligned with what Mindy's saying. But if the Etsy work is only generating fifteen dollars an hour because you got to make the thing, ship it, sell it, and all that kind of stuff, and your contract work is making seventy dollars an hour, that's inefficient arbitrage. If the Etsy work is making one hundred fifty dollars an hour, and the contract work is making seventy dollars an hour. Then that's really efficient arbitrage. That makes more sense as a side hustle. That's that's the nuance that I'm trying to to point out with that is don't sometimes you know you can make money uh, by doing work and selling it. It may not it may just be far less than what you could make with the the the, the business um, and and the the skilled carpentry work at at, the, at those types of jobs. You guys were asking about phi in general and the number you need to get there. Um, with this. So the question then is like, what do we do with all this cash once we start generating it from, from the business? I think that's where you, you pile up a, an emergency reserve that makes, that makes you feel a little bit more comfortable. I would, I would start with, I would start with that. And then I don't think you have a bad approach in a general sense. I think you're, 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 it seems like you pile money into the Roths and the traditional IRAs. Um, as you build your business, you're going to have even more fun options for those types of things, like self-directed uh, IRAs and those types of things. So I think there'll be a homework, a, a lot of a lot of homework. Which these are good problems. You're going to spend a hundred hours uh, going down the rabbit hole of this stuff over the course of a few years to set up like a self-directed plan. If you have any employees in the future, you got a whole bunch of other cool stuff that you can do with with their retirement. You can really dump a lot of money into these things in a tax-efficient way as things get going. But I think for now, you've got a really simple approach that makes a lot of sense, max out the Roth um, with those types of things. And and I think the real estate's another good alternative. So you've got a reasonably diversified portfolio in the, in the property you're constructing alongside the, the investments. So I, I like the investment approach um, at a high level from here. And I don't think we, I don't have too many deviations from it other than build up some cash, in my opinion, for your personal lives, because That'll give you flexibility. So you don't have to go and take that next job. You can spend the next two weeks focusing on building, get, dotting the I's and crossing the T's for your business and reading a business book that might have a huge ROI for you relative to just taking whatever job happens to come in from a friend that week. So, 
Uh, one last thing I will say is once you do start reaching out to people and saying, hey, I'm available, keep a calendar and, you know, oh, this week should take or this job should take a week and a half. I can start on Thursday and just keep pushing people out. One of the things that I see in the trades from personal experience is that they're really great at what they do, but they don't know how to run their business. So they just focus on the job at hand. And then towards the end of the job, there's this mad scramble. Oh, I got to get another job as opposed to answering the phone every time it rings. Oh, you know what? We're available to start July 17th. I can't wait till July 17th. Well, you're going to call me back in like an hour and tell me that either nobody else answered <laughs> nobody their phone or they, they can't start until August 20th. Right. So keeping a calendar and, you know, like a big desk calendar and in one spot where you can both reach it and say, you know, even if he's working, you can still answer the phone and say, oh, that sounds like a three week job. We've got three weeks here. Or, you know, I'll have him call you back, but I know our soonest is this opening. Um, as yeah. a consumer who needs people to work on my house, I can't ever find anybody who will even answer the phone. But when they do, they're booked out for months. And you get frustrated, but they're the they're, they're the only ones that are answering their phones. Everybody else is super busy. So yeah, it's uh, it's too fun. It's too fun to get into the business stuff. Mindy and I, Mindy and I love it with this. Like this is just <laughs> it, this is like the like the key is your time, Darren. You you are your time. If every minute you're not working and applying your skill set in a billable fashion is a loss of seventy bucks, so you're gonna have. To, I, I imagine you're gonna have to go to the site and bid it out. You're gonna ha and, and know know how much it's gonna cost and how long it's gonna take, right? If you could train or if you could teach Serafina here how to do that, that would be that would save you some time. I, I don't know if that's. I don't know how. You know, I, I don't know how much skill, like how, like if you have to be a master carpenter to be able to actually estimate some of those types of things. But if you guys could divide the labor in some way that allows you to spend as much time as possible actually doing the the work, that's going to maximize your income. And that's where I think I imagine a lot of contractors get hung up is like, hey, driving out to that site, bidding out the project, coming back, that's two hours that you're not billing, right? And picking up the phone in the middle of the job that's that's minutes you're not billing or, or delaying your, your your project there the project's too far away the hours you're not billing if it's not if, if you're if you're driving if you have five jobs in a week and three of them are in one day and they're all over creation you're not doing the ones next to each other that's money wasted so those are things those are all opportunities for efficiency that you know maybe could be helped you know in, in many of those areas um by you surfing okay yeah that would be interesting to see how we could better make that more efficient somehow yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what goes into bidding out a job, but, you know, if there's main things that Serafina can do, she can go and take a video of the whole thing and measure the room and, you know, whatever. I, I'm trying to think. Mm -hmm. I do my own finished carpentry and I'm sure yours looks better. <laughs> I use a I lot mean, of caulk. It depends there has on the to be a Reddit really or like job. a forum where this is talked about too. Like I would Google Probably. this and figure out like yeah. where, okay. what, are, how are everybody has the same problems in this industry? I'd imagine, right? Like this is not you're not reinventing the wheel. You're not inventing no, the wheel, right? No, I mean the the, the uh, woodworkers that I know. I mean the the high end woodworkers. That's what they say. It's like everybody goes to woodworking school and comes out and they can make whatever. But the biggest 
problem is none of them know how to keep track of their own hours and you know that they get shelled you know uh trying to start their own business that way so they don't they don't make the the, the money that yeah that they need. yeah and it's not it shouldn't be that much more work you'd imagine it's just that it's just applying those organizations it, it's it's work that's not going to generate any income for a few months while you set up these systems but then it'll explode okay um well i think we've gone into this point in great detail, but I think it's right. I think, I think, I don't think there's a lot more, I don't think there's other big levers in your financial position right now. Um, if you come back with $500,000 to complete the house, okay, now we've got a different, you know, now, now that year of labor is going to produce $300,000 in, in net worth. Um, that makes more sense to, to focus that time there. But, um, in the absence of that, I think it's, I think it's going to be this job and, and, uh, and, and crushing it with the, the carpentry business. Okay. Nice. Did you have any other questions that we maybe didn't answer or discuss at all yet? Um, so I know you said you liked our investment strategy. I feel like what I've been doing, well now, well, so I think now I know I should be maxing out the Roth IRAs first. Previously, I was hesitant to put anything into anything that was like date specific. Um, so that's why there's so much in the just investment account. Um, so yeah, so I guess one question I have is, is for the traditional IRA that I have, should I turn that into a Roth at all? Or also on the other side, should I be putting some of that money in the investment account into the Roth? I like a Roth because it grows tax-free. So you pay your taxes now, and then it grows for, you are 38, 39? 39. 39. So you've got uh, 25 years before you can access. Is, that, is it 59 and a half or 65? Let's call it 65. 59 and a half for the Roth, I think. Yeah. Okay. So that's um, 20 years then. You have 20 years until you can access that. That's 20 years of tax-free growth. I would recommend first, the order that we recommend is first invest in your 401k to get the company match, which is moot here because you don't have one yet. Then I would suggest maxing out your Roth IRA. And then if there's money left over, continue contributing to the 401k until you hit that limit. You are self-employed with no other full-time employees besides your spouse? No. Okay, so you have access to this lovely thing called the self-directed solo 401k. You have the opportunity with the help of your company to contribute your 19,000 or 19,500 individual contribution plus Darren's individual contribution of 19,500. And then the company can match up to 25% of your salary up to a total contribution, yours and this company combined, of Mm $54,000 every single year, free tax. So So let's get to a surplus where you have $54,000 in excess (laughs) to dump into this, right? That's the... the... I'm sorry, that's $54,000 each. Now, we're not there today, but I can see if you call up a couple of general contractors and they're like, yes, I can have you work 20 hours a week or 20 hours a day. Um, you will, you, I can see you getting there very quickly. So 
um, I will find an article about the self-directed solo 401k and send that to you. And you can see all the wonderful amazingness that you have at your fingertips because you are self-employed. If you do not have self-employment income or you have more than your spouse as your full-time employee, it's not financially advantageous to do. Gotcha. Okay. But then there's other options like the uh, SD, the self-directed IRA. So So maybe don't worry about where anything is right now, but just going forward, put things in their proper place. Yeah, I wouldn't touch what's there. Okay. Set it and forget it. But going forward, if you have not yet filed your 2020 taxes, you can open or you've already got the uh, Roth IRA open. You can contribute to your Roth IRA up until the time you file your taxes or the tax deadline, which is May 17th for last year. And then you can contribute for this year as well. Okay. Mm. Um, up until the tax deadline of the next year, which is a nice little, nice little loophole. Yeah. Um, I, I like, I like the Roth. And then as your income grows, beginning to layer more of that into the tax deferred plan, um, the, the self-directed IRA or the, the, four, the 401k equivalent, the self-directed IRA for self-employed um, business owners. Um, so I, I like that approach and, you know, and then it's an art, right? There's no right answer to like the question of how, how much to put into that, you know, the Roth, you, maybe you max out, but then like, there's not, there's no right answer to like how much to put in tax deferred or not. You got a goal of wanting to sail the world. If you want to do that in a few years, then you need to plan for that and build up a cash reserve for that at the expense of putting that into your tax deferred plan. But again, all, all those problems, all those questions are easier when your income is much higher um, which, which, which is where that, where, why we spend all the time on that, on that, uh, the business front there, if you can generate more income. You can make really good choices there because you have a, a surplus of cash to allocate to these, these buckets, um, and get to your goals sooner. I mean, it's okay. sta- statement I of the have, obvious, but yeah. I have two more things to think about before <laughs> we wrap okay. up. One is Darren is older than Serafina. True. Darren, once you hit, I heard a rumor. Um, once you hit 50, you can contribute an extra thousand dollars a year to your four, a Roth IRA and an extra $5,000 a year to your 401k. It's called the catch up plan. So when you are contributing to the Roth IRA after Darren turns 50, make sure to max his out first, get that extra thousand dollars and then put it towards Serafina's and hopefully you can max them both out, but Darren gets an extra thousand. So let's get him first. Um, The question of, should we convert the traditional IRA to the Roth? This is again, a mad scientist article about the Roth conversion ladder. Mm -hmm. You need to have it seasoned in your Roth IRA for five years before you can withdraw it after you are no longer working. There is a cap and this is where my, Information gets a bit hazy. I think it's seventy-eight thousand or eighty thousand, where you that income you are paying no capital gains on. So I believe you can convert your traditional IRA between your the, the top of your salary and the cap, convert it to a Roth IRA. Oh, well, you're still paying taxes on it though. I you know I, I don't like this approach for them. Yeah, I don't like yeah. this. You know I don't what? Like as I was talking ladder. it out, I'm like. Yeah. As I was talking it out, I decided I didn't like it. So <laughs> never mind. No worries. Ignore all of that. But uh-huh. we'll keep it in the show so people can hear that how I thought about it. <laughs> uh, but I'm still going to send you the article about the conversion letter because Perfect. when you are no longer working and you have zero income, you can take some of the traditional 
turn it into Roth and start your conversion ladder. Okay. okay. Um, That's for later. And I will put a link to that in the show notes as well. Uh, Scott, is there anything else you wanted to add before we let them get on with their busy uh, building and planning and business ideas? Um, no, I, I look, I, I think, I think this is about organization of your business activities, whatever, whatever rigor you, you clearly apply some rigor to your household budget. Is that right? Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely put time in it. Yeah. That, that's, her. That's, that's my job. <laughs> my household yeah, job. So, something's going on there that looks like it's going right. You got, you got a, 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 a very clean set of, of, uh, uh, spending, you know, exactly what you're saving for, you know, where every dollar is going. If you apply that same intensity to your your time and your business activities, I believe you'll see huge returns on that investment that will that will generate a tremendous amount more income for you. I think read a couple of books, track your time, get disciplined with those types of things, focus on those types of skills, and be be concerned if your workday is not being spent doing labor. Like something's wrong with that uh, for right. for the construction, okay. the, the carpentry stuff. Um, in the, in the short run. And if you can get there, I think you'll have, you'll be, you'll be seeing from a really, a really good spot. And so that's, yeah, I would start with that e-myth book. There's a million, you know, just go down the rabbit hole of Google and Reddit and those types of things. Meet a couple of folks who are actually running a good shop, not just good, good at what they do from the, the right. skill set perspective, but that's, that's going to make all the difference I think for you guys. And everything's going to be easier on the other side of that, um, for, for your financial journey, I think. Awesome. Yeah. It sounds like it. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's right. why we hit. That's why we hit you all up. I know. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Well, it's fun. Okay. There's, there's always a different challenge. We we haven't yeah. had somebody in this in in in, in your set of uh, circumstances. So I hope this was helpful. I think this oh, is. Oh yeah. It seems like the right approach. There's always different levers to pull, but I think that that's that's why we were excited to, to talk to you guys because of the the difference in your circumstance relative to other guests we've had so far. Nice. Yeah. Thanks so yeah, much. And for- I think this is. I think this is going to be helpful to other people who are in similar situations or, oh, I'm thinking about starting a business. Well, mm-hmm. here's some things mm-hmm. to think about, you know, before you start or here's some things to think about and, you know, ramp up as you go. So, well, Serafina and Darren, thank you so much for your time today. This was a lot of fun and it was a delight to meet you. Yeah. Thank, thank you so you. much for your time. Thank you. And talking things through with us. Okay. That was Serafina and Darren. And that was a lot of fun. Scott, what did you think? I, I, I thought it was great. I, I am, I, um, and full credit to Mindy. Mindy uh, selects the guests for for these these podcasts. What an incredible range of discussions we've had in on this Finance Friday. We've had folks who are you know tackling student loan debt. We've had folks who are starting contracting businesses like today. We've had folks who are millionaires but are create compounding cash flow problems because they keep buying properties with HELOCs uh, and these types of things. We've had folks come in with families from Idaho who we have basically no advice for because they're doing, <laughs> it seems pretty optimized. Um, it's just like it's just like a fun, uh, awesome array of real problems facing folks that I think is really interesting. And um, thank you for bringing in such great guests and, and especially Darren and Serafina today. Well, you're welcome, Scott, but thank you to all of my amazing guests who are applying. And if you have a story you haven't heard before, maybe you should be the one to tell it. We would love to review your finances or interview you and hear your money story please apply if you'd like to chat with us. 
The address, the URL is www.biggerpockets.com slash guest to be a, a guest on the Monday episode, which is the money story episode and biggerpockets.com slash finance review to be a guest with our finance review, which releases on Friday. Uh, Scott, we had a lot of fun today, but we did run a little bit long, so we should keep this outro short. I would like to thank everybody for listening. Thank you so much. We really enjoy you coming and sharing a uh, sharing your Friday with us. Scott, should we get out of here? Let's do it. From episode 198 of the Bigger Pockets Money podcast, he is Scott Trench. I am Mindy Jensen saying, gotta go. The power of the shower compels me. The market is changing, and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom, and the best investors know it's not about timing the market, it's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into real estate investing or take it to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With the Bigger Pockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals, enter a few details about what and where you want to buy, and boom, instantly matched with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.